0: John chapter number 18, John 18, we're going to begin reading in verse number one when Jesus had spoken these words. He went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted hither with his disciples. So I want you to just, to just to underline or take note of that. He oft times resorted thither with his disciples. In verse number three, Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priest and the Pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him went forth and said unto them whom seek ye. They answered him Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them I am he and Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. Soon then as he had said unto them I am he they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which was which he spake, of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Now, I don't know about you, but if I would have been one of those men that approached Jesus and asked who where Jesus was and He said uh, that I am he, and as he said those things, I fell backwards. I think I would have got up and turned the other way and left. I don't know if I would have continued to go forward. I think that would have probably scared me. It would have probably caused me to see that this person, Jesus, there's something great about him for he can just speak, and it moves men. Matthew chapter number 26, if you go there with me as well. We find John's account. Of this time, we also find Matthew, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, his account of this as well. I want you to find Matthew 26, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 36. Then cometh Jesus with with them unto a place called Gethsemane. So we find in Matthew the name of the place, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me an hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying, the same words, then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, sleep now and now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Father, would you bless the message today? Lord, we, um, we long to hear from you or we need to hear from you. So I pray that Holy Spirit would be able to have free reign here in this place and Lord, would You cause any distraction or anything that would keep our mind or heart from hearing from You. Would You keep that from this place so that we could indeed hear from You today. Help us to be submissive. Help us to have an understanding so that we could do Your will. We ask You this in Jesus' name. Amen. One week from today. Christians all around this world are going to gather and they're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is, is our Savior. He is the one that we read of here in John chapter number 18 and Matthew chapter number 26. An incredible thing happened on that Easter morning. The, the Bible tells us, and we're going to study this next week, but the Bible tells us that some went to his grave where they, where they placed him in this tomb, and, and he was not there, he has risen. Now, I want you to understand that the grave was empty not because they lost his body on the way as they placed it. There, not because his body was stolen. His grave was empty because God raised him from the dead. That gives us something glorious to celebrate. There's no other place, there is no other religion that you can find where the one that they serve, the one that they look to is is risen from the grave. There's many tombs that you can go to where the leader of that religion stay, is laid the rest there, but you'll not find that with our Savior because he's not there, he is risen from the grave. Next week is an exciting week because our Savior is not dead. He willingly gave his life. Not only is is he not dead, no one took his life. He willingly gave his life so that you and I could be redeemed back to the Father. Death could not hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. And on that third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We're excited about that this morning. I'm looking forward to next, next week next Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if you were to study leading up to that resurrection morning, the week leading up to that resurrection morning, it wasn't didn't seem like a great victory for Jesus that week. He comes into, as we read here, he comes into a, a garden to pray, and he's heavy in spirit. The Bible says he knew what was going to happen, and he knew what what he had to do, and he takes his disciples into a a very familiar place. The Bible calls it a, a place they've been to before, oftentimes resorted, he said here in verse number two of John chapter number 18, they've been to this place before. This is a place where they've prayed, this is a place of teaching, this is a place of learning for the disciples. The disciples were very familiar with this place. They've been there with Jesus. But something different is going to take place on this day than previous visits here to this garden. Jesus now is coming to this garden a little bit different than he had came before. Maybe before they came to this garden, he'd sit his disciples down and it'd be a place where he would would tell them about the the kingdom of heaven or tell them about about, uh, uh, what he was going to do, the savior of this world, or, or just to teach them his doctrine. But this morning, something was very different. The Bible tells us that his heart is heavy. Now, John chapter 18 and Matthew chapter number 26, two different accounts. Matthew gives a little bit more detail of what exactly happens there at that garden. We find that Jesus, when he goes to the garden, the disciples are there. And the Bible says he takes Peter and two other disciples with him a little bit further into the garden. And he's heavy and hard. He's weeping. He's, he's sorrowful. He understands what's going to happen this upcoming week. He knows that one that has followed him for these three years is going to betray him by the name of Judas. They saw him do miracles. Judas saw him do all the things that he did. He heard his voice, but Judas still is going to betray him. He's going to walk up to Jesus with these guards and kiss Jesus on the cheek, and the guards are going to know this is Jesus, and they're going to take him away. But Before he even gets to that place, the Bible says he goes a little bit deeper into this garden. There's Peter and there's these two other disciples, the sons of Zebedee, are there with him. And Jesus says to them, I want you to stay here and pray while I go a little bit deeper in. There's many of chapters and many of verses in the Bible that I believe they're, they're sad. They're verses you read and your heart becomes heavy. I want you to just picture Jesus going into this garden knowing that he's going to get ready to die, knowing that he's going to be betrayed, knowing that they're going to come and they're going to take him and his back is going to be beaten, his beard is going to be plucked, his face is going to be hit with with fist, he's going to be cursed upon, he's going to be spit upon. They're going to take a crown of thorns and and they're going to shove that crown of thorns upon his head and blood is going to begin to come down his face. They're going to beat him so badly that the Bible says he's not even recognizable. They're going to take him and they're going to put nails into his hands and nails into his feet and and crucify him on a cross. They're going to mock him. And even greater than all of that physical pain that he's going to have to endure, what he's going to have to do is he is going to have to take your sin and my sin. And he's never known sin before. I think of all the way back into the uh, uh, Old Testament in the beginning of, of time when God created uh, uh, heaven and earth. There was, there was God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were there at the, when, when and the earth was created and they saw everything and said it was good. I wonder if he thinks back all the way to the beginning of the garden when Eve took of that fruit and and Adam took of that fruit as well. I wonder if then all of the sin that was committed from that point all the way to this point, all the way to even into the future, he knew he was going to take every single bit of that sin. Bear that on the cross. He knew this was going to be a moment that God had to turn his back he's going to yell with a loud voice my God my God why hast thou forsaken me God cannot look upon his own son because when he saw him he saw the sin these things are all the things that are going through the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ The first time he prays, he says to God, he says, if this cup could pass, if there could be any other way, if there could be any other way, then allow it to be. And then he prays again, knowing this, there is no other way. The only way that man could be redeemed back to God, there had to be a perfect lamb. There had to be a blood sacrifice. And the only one that could sacrifice and that sacrifice be sufficient for your sin and my sin, Jesus knew it was him. There was no other way. There is no other way that man could be reconciled or redeemed back to God other than Jesus Christ having to go to the cross. Jesus then goes and prays a third time. I want you to pray this morning as we look at this scripture. I know on a Palm Sunday or a Sunday before Easter, we might look at something a little bit different, but today I want to look at this event and I want us to look at our own hearts. Because there's something that took place here in these events here, that here in the garden, that I want us as believers, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, there's some things I want us to evaluate our hearts. Jesus goes into this garden. He goes in this garden alone. He comes back and he begins to see his disciples, the Bible says they're sleeping. You know, the most important thing that has ever taken place, mankind, mankind has sinned. God sent his son. Jesus is about ready to be betrayed and go to the cross. And the disciples, they're found sleeping. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted someone to get excited or at least acknowledge that you were doing something and they just kind of, no big deal? No big deal. My kids love, they love their birthdays like every other kid does. And they want to know the minute they get up, they want to make sure that everybody in their house knows it's their birthday. They'll wake people up. It's my birthday today. They'll want to know if there's going to be some cake. So we kind of joke around every so often. We'll, we'll say, man, I forgot. Mackenzie came to me this past week. It was her birthday. She asked me if I would buy donuts for her, for her class at school. And so I told her the night before I'd do that. So I had it all planned. I was going to go to the donut shop and get, get uh, some donuts to bring to school so that, that uh, her friends could all have a donut. So she came in that morning in my room, and she said, Dad, don't forget, it's my birthday today. And I said, Oh, I forgot that already. And she looked at me. She says, I guess you forgot about the donuts too. And I said, What donuts? You should have seen the look on her face. She was upset. She couldn't believe yesterday you knew it was my birthday. Yesterday we talked about donuts and then overnight. And I pretended, I said, Oh, that's right. That's right. That's today, isn't it? I'll have to change some things around so I can get that done. I was joking. I thought she knew I was joking. Well, she got in the car. Mom took her to school. She got in the car, and she was upset. She said, Mom, Dad forgot it was my birthday today. It was an important event for her. And even though I was pretending, she thought I didn't care. I want you to think about Christ here. He's already told His disciples what's going to happen. He's taught them for these three years. They know that He's not going to be there forever with them. They know that He came for a purpose. They know that He came to to die. He had said that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He told them about the mansions in heaven. He told them that the temple would be... uh, um, torn down, and in three days that it would be built back up. He, he shared with them all of these things. They knew what was going to happen. Matter of fact, if you were to read earlier, you'd find this, that Jesus said, this is what's going to happen, and Peter says, oh, no, oh, no, that won't happen. Lord, we're going to go to war with you. We'll never let this happen. And all the disciples, the Bible said, they all agreed with Peter. Now Jesus, he can't find even one awake. He's alone. It's a place that they often went to. Today, we find this is a place where Jesus finds them sleeping. Jesus is weeping. Jesus is about to be betrayed. Jesus is about to be taken in the hands of the high priest and in the disciples. They're sleeping. Sleeping. God is concerned about the souls of mankind. I often wonder what the events of heaven look like at that moment. Jesus is weeping and he's pouring his heart out to the Father and, 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 and the angels. They don't the Bible says they don't even understand this salvation. They they don't understand what this is all about. They can witness Jesus here is in this garden. He's weeping, and I I wonder here he's he's praying to the Father, and the Father hears him knowing that in just a little short amount of time, he is going to have to turn his back on on his son. All of these events are taking place. God is concerned about the mankind that is found sleeping. He's so concerned. He his deepest desire, God's deepest desire was to reconcile us back to him the most important event that's taking place in all of the earth at that time was happening there in that garden. Think about that, a conversation between God and his son. The disciples were sleeping. The Bible tells us this, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance. This event was an event that had to take place. This upcoming week, one of the most joyous events is going to be celebrated. We are going to gather around God's Word. We're going to look in God's Word where the tomb is empty. One of the greatest events is going to take place, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But before that happens, we find Jesus' his heart is heavy. The most important thing that has ever happened to mankind is about ready to happen. I want you to think about the significance of this. The most important thing that has happened is about ready to happen. Mankind who is born into this world, sinners, born in this world, on their way to hell, born in this world, born into sin, uh, separated from God. That's not what God's desire is. That's not what God God hoped for. God created mankind so that mankind could fellowship with Him and worship Him. There was a a day, there was a time in, in human history where God would walk through the garden and commune with Adam and commune with Eve and have a relationship with them. But that's all broken now because of sin. Every single man that's born, every single woman that's born of this world is born in a sin nature separated from God. And God saw that and God said, that's not the way that I desire. That's not the way that I want this to be. I want man to be redeemed back to me. But God cannot allow sin into his presence. So there had to be a payment for sin. Not just anything would do. Man could not work his way to heaven. Man could not do his best to get to heaven because man's best is still sinful. Man can't try to uh, uh, do more good than bad and hoping that, that marriage is his way to heaven because man is sinful. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. So God, in His mercy, in His grace, so that you and I and all the world could be redeemed back to him. He said to his son, there's only one way. You must die. You've got to leave heaven's home. You've got to be born of a virgin. You've got to go to this earth. You've got to live upon this earth. And you're going to be beaten. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be despised. You're going to be lied about. They're going to take you and they're going to do un- unthinkable things to you. But it's the only way. There's no other way. There's no other way that you and I could be re- redeemed back to God Other than the cross, or the way. The most important event that has ever happened, we're reading about here. Jesus Christ is going to go to the cross. In church, the disciples were sleeping. Thought about this upcoming week. One of the things we as Christians rejoice over the most is he's not in the tomb. He's not there. There's not a there's not a place we could go to and look in and see a body wrapped and say, that's Jesus. No, there's not a tomb you could go to. There's not a graveyard you could visit where the body of Jesus Christ lay. It's risen. He's no longer there. And we're going to come together next week and we're going to celebrate that fact that He is risen from the dead. And because He rose from the dead, He can offer us eternal life. He's conquered death. He's conquered the grave. And He offers us eternal life because He has victory over death. And life, the greatest event that's ever happened, and I wonder how many of believers are going to stay silent. How many of you are going to stay silent this week? How many of you are going to live your life this week, just going through the the norm? Hey, we as Christians have one of the greatest opportunities right now, and that is to share Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. Do you know they say this to the majority of Christians? The majority of Christians live their life never telling one person about Jesus Christ. God didn't save us for us to stay quiet. God didn't save us for us to keep this to ourselves. He saved us. He gave us eternal life so that we could take that life and share it with a lost and dying world. But I think this passage of Scripture here, when I studied this through, To be honest with you, when I was studying John chapter number 18, the Lord had brought me to that place and I read it over and over and over and over and over. And I even said to my wife, Boy, I'm studying through this passage of Scripture and I'm trying to understand what God's wanting out of this for me to preach. And I believe that I saw in this Christians are too silent. We're going to sleep. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's going, to, he's going to, to rapture His church. Those that believe in Him, they're going to rise from the, their bodies. are going to come out of the grave. They're going to meet Him in the clouds. We that are alive and remain are going to meet Him in the clouds as well. Jesus Christ is coming again. The time is short, church. I don't believe the disciples really understood how short the time was they're going to be with Jesus. I don't believe they really understood what was happening here. They're caught sleeping. They're caught doing their own thing. They're caught satisfying their flesh. Jesus goes to them and he just simply says, Sleep on. You couldn't watch with me, he says. You couldn't pray with me for just an hour. You know, as I see events of this world, I'll tell you, if you are watching the events of this world, you have got to see that it is all coming into place. Jesus Christ is coming again. Boy, the events of this world, you see it happening. It's almost like the news is taking events right out of the Bible and they're they're saying, this is happening. And I'm afraid some of us are sleeping. Do you believe this? I believe it with all my heart. Before I am even done preaching here this morning, Jesus Christ could come again. It's all being set up. One world government, one world religion. You see, you see everyone coming against Israel. Isn't it, isn't it amazing to watch everything that's happening all around Israel today in the news? Jesus is coming again, church. It's not time to sleep. It's not time for us to live our life to where we're satisfying our flesh. It's time for us to live our life knowing that Jesus Christ came, that Jesus Christ died, and it's up, for, it's up to us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. Not be found sleeping. Here we find Jesus is going to be wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Three times, three times he went back to the disciples. Three times he went back to them, hoping he'd find them praying, hoping he'd find them watching, hoping he'd find them with him. But three times he went back and they were always sleeping. You know, God, his command to us as a church is to occupy till he comes. Each and every one of us ought to be busy doing doing the work of the Father. It is our business to do God's business, and God's business is to save this world. God's business is to send His Son, John three sixteen. Everyone knows, for God so loved the world that He, what he gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's business is wanting to redeem mankind back to Him. And it's our business, church, to be about God's business. Listen, God didn't put you here to enjoy the pleasures of this world. God didn't put you here to enjoy the flesh. He didn't put you here and save you so that you could just have what your plan is and do your plan in life. No, He put us here to take the good news of Jesus Christ and not go to sleep with it. It isn't, well, we're saved and that's all that matters. There's still a world that needs Jesus. I saw on the news this week, disgustingly he said two pastors I even they want to call them pastors two pastors in Toledo arrested for sex trafficking did you see that this week One, one of our church members texted me and said is that the one that we've been working with down in Toledo I said no there's a lot of pastors in Toledo that's not the one People are sleeping, so consumed with their life, so consumed with sin, so consumed with, with things that don't matter, and the world is dying without Jesus. This past couple weeks, I think I've been to more funerals in the last two weeks than I've been to in any two-week time of my life. I've talked to some at funeral homes. I had some time to talk to one of the funeral directors. I got a little bit early to one of the funerals and talked to the funeral director there, and we just started talking about business. (laughs) She says, the phone rings off the hook. She said that, and I thought, that means people are dying every second. And I asked her questions. I said, how many Christian funerals would she do? And I know that word Christian is is very loose. And she said, you'd be surprised how many funerals are done that Jesus isn't even mentioned. She was a Christian lady. And she says, I... Have funeral after funeral where Jesus isn't even mentioned. There's no hope. The church sits sleeping and quiet. Jesus came and died for your sin and my sin. And your co sin. And your neighbor's sin. And your family member's sin. He came and died for those kids that we might not even give a second thought to. He came and He died for their sin. He came and He died for that drug addict sin. He came and died for that prostitute sin. He came and died for that alcoholic sin. He came and died for the sin of, of those that are, that, are, that are living in a, in a world where, 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 where there, there is, there's no hope. He came and He died for them. And church, how are we... Going to sit quietly when people are dying without Christ. I believe this the Lord brought me to these passages of Scripture so I could simply stand before the church today and encourage our church. Let's not be found sleeping this week. Let's not be found feeding our flesh. Let's not be found living our own life this week. Why don't we be found watching and praying this week? Why don't we commit to this week that we're going to go all the way with Jesus Christ. We're going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not going to be found slumbering this week. We're not going to be found living in our sin this week. But we're going to leave here today energized and excited and encouraged that Jesus Christ, He is risen from the dead. He is is alive. He has the answer. Every single need that mankind has, the answer is found in Jesus Christ. Those without hope, He is hope. Those that are lonely, He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Those that think that there's no point to life, they need to know who Jesus is. It wouldn't be a wonderful thing if a church like this said, oh, we're going to leave this week. We're going to take every track that we can take. We're going to take every invitation that we can take. We're going to take every opportunity that we can take, and we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I found myself last week. I think I might have told you this two weeks ago. I found myself at a restaurant sitting with a person at lunch and I went to grab a track in my pocket and I didn't have one it was empty I thought how am I going to witness to this lady I don't have a track you ever been there like we need we have to have a track to witness and so the lady came over and I said ma'am I'm sorry normally I have a a, a track in 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 you know it's kind of like an icebreaker I can pull it out and I can but I said I don't have one today Can I just tell you what that track would have said if I had one? I stood at another restaurant. I could tell this young girl, I could tell life was heavy. She came and I began to tell her about Jesus and she said, I have never heard that before. I said to her, I said, have you ever sinned? And she says, oh, you don't have enough time. She says, I know I've sinned. She says, I know my life is a wreck. And she began to tell me she was a student at Bowling Green, uh, 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 Bowling State University. She began to, she began to tell me about, about that she's just in this area because of college. And, and, and she was telling me about her life. And boy, she had a rough life. And no one has ever told her that Jesus Christ can give her hope. Never heard. And I wonder how many Christians she waits on. I wonder how many Christians she walks past. I wonder how many neighbors that are Christians that she lives next to. And nobody has ever told her about Jesus. And she's going through a life miserable. She's going through a life knowing she's a failure, going through a life knowing that she's living in sin, except she has never been told that there's hope. And the reason why I believe is because Christians are sleeping. We have salvation. We've been with Jesus, and we're satisfied when we ought to be taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world so they too could be satisfied as well. Church, what more important thing do you and I have this week other than sharing Jesus Christ? Could you ask yourself that question? Would you give yourself an honest response? What is the most important thing you have? What is more important this week than sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is more important than that? What is more important than your neighbor hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is more important than your coworker hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Could you imagine, could you imagine working for 20 years with all those around you and finding out that they've never trusted Christ as their savior and then having to spend an eternity in hell because you couldn't share the gospel of Jesus Christ? What's more important this week? What's more important? What do you have to do that's more important than opening your mouth and sharing the good news, the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins? What more important thing do you have this week than share the gospel? Let's not be found sleeping. Let's not be found unaware like the disciples were found. Jesus was heavy-hearted. He was weeping. And he was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to go to the cross so you and I could have life. Are we willing to tell? are we going to hold it in?